the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back. Wednesday, September 7th, 2022. I am Seth Liebson. Let me introduce... Bill is off today. My producer, Bill, he'll be back with us tomorrow. Let me introduce my producer's pro tem. We will uh, have... uh, Let's see. Who do we have today? We have have Ramon. Thank you for doing this, Ramon. And we have Jeremy. Uh, Appreciate both of you very, very much for doing this. Uh, And a lot to talk about. Um, I I spoke a little bit about Hillary Clinton yesterday. Um, The levels of contempt I have for what took place on The View here, uh, where they were interviewing Hillary Clinton, uh, I I just got to run through. So she is out with her daughter right now promoting a a show, a a, a two-woman show, Hillary and her daughter Chelsea. Uh, with um, several guest appearances highlighting women they think are gutsy. It's based on a book that profiles women, and the book is called Gutsy, and now they have a TV series that will be debuting on Apple TV Plus uh, uh, in a couple of days called Gutsy. Now, um, she was she's doing the rounds, the media rounds, to promote it. It's not getting good reviews in the printed press, um, gutsy women. Think about gutsy women for a moment. Um, who would you think that they might be interviewing? Uh, you would probably think a lot of their Democratic friends, of course. But would you think that um, that uh, the Card- Kim Kardashian would be one of them? They interview Kim Kardashian for her expertise on Ramon. You want to guess what Kim Kardashian's expertise is to the Clintons? The death penalty. Uh, how she stands up to the death penalty. Amy Schumer is a gutsy woman. Is there anyone more contemptible in female comedy and more filthy than Amy Schumer? I can't think of the person. So this is the Clintons' way of, uh, what, elevating a conversation? There's an old French term, nostalgia de la vie, the desire to live, the wish to live in the mud. It seems that's what uh, the Clintons keep going for here. I cannot imagine that the panjandrums of the Democratic Party, you know, your DNC types, your Joe Biden types, your Nancy Pelosi types, I cannot imagine that they are delighted uh, with Hillary Clinton being out there again. She is such a turn off, I would think, especially when we're about, what, almost exactly two months going into an election, reminding people that this is the face of the Democratic Party, this is the voice of the Democratic Party, that the Democratic Party is nostalgic for Hillary Clinton. Now, let me tell you why I find so contemptible the audio I'm about to play, Hillary Clinton on The View. Alyssa Farah is the new uh, quote-unquote conservative on The View, um, and she is interviewing Hillary Clinton here. Alyssa Farah, another contemptible person. This is someone who loyally served Mike Pence and Donald Trump. She was ultimately the director of communications for the Donald Trump White House and then starts to denounce Donald Trump. But when? When does she become critical? When do the mea culpas come? 
a month after the 2020 election. That is to say, she didn't want to be the last person shutting off the lights in the White House. And that's when she started to condemn her former boss. Why? Well, CNN isn't going to come a-knocking, as they did come a-knocking for her. The View wasn't going to come a-knocking, as they came knocking for her, if she was still supportive of Donald Trump. Boy, this draw of lucre. I used to say ideology, uh, quoting Hannah Arendt, that ideology was the most potent force in Western life. It may compete with money, at least when it comes to conservatives or quote unquote conservatives. And then slowly you will notice they will start changing their views, too. It doesn't just end with Trump. Look at all the Lincoln Project types. Look at uh, the Jennifer Rubin types. Look at the Max Boot types. Look at the Bill Crystal types. It starts with Trump. And then, really, it's not quite magical understanding this. And then it starts going to policy, whether it's foreign policy or social and domestic policy, like issues with life, issues having to do with race. They start converting. Now, why is it not magical? It's not magical because, obviously— their support for Trump was the support for his policies. I don't think most serious people who went to work in policy or legal areas in the Trump administration went there because they thought Trump was this wonderful, magical human being. He was a demigod of sorts. They liked him for his policies, which is what most conservatives do. So when they walked away from him, no big surprise. They also had to start walking away from the policies. But They got seven-figure deals and contracts on TV. Um, So you have contemptuous person A interviewing contemptuous person B. I want you to just hear a little bit of this, Alyssa Farah and Hillary Clinton, and then I'll show you what really grinds my gears. Bear with me one moment. Let me pull this up. For being here, Chelsea. Um, so this past week, as President Biden gave a speech on democracy and the threats to it, as a Republican, I've been outspoken that I think it's one of the biggest issues facing our country. But I did worry that by using the language saying many who support the former president are semi-fascist or leaning toward it was divisive. I know you experienced when you used the term deplorable mm-hmm. quite a bit of backlash from the right. Do you think the president met the right tone or do you think that this was divisive and could have been framed better? You know, I think he did a very important service to the country in giving the speech that he gave because too many people are not yet aware of how fragile our democracy is. Mm. And I'm not going to second guess the language he used uh, because there has been so much uh, that has gone beyond anything I ever would have dreamed of, um, starting with January 6th, uh, but so many... Starting with January 6th. What after January 6th? What took place after January They have one day. They have one day they want to hang around every Republican's neck, though not one person arrested for the January 6th um, riot, anarchist attack, whatever you want to call it. Not one person is known to any Republican or, for that matter, any Democrat as a Republican, as opposed to three-plus months uh, in 2020, three-plus months the year before where they had nothing to say, and a lot of prominent Democrats were involved in that, including Kamala Harris, who helped bail out some of the 14,000 
not 800, 14,000 people who were arrested and the riots that killed 30 people over the course of three plus months. So starting with January 6th, what since January 6th have the Republicans done to undermine democracy in America? And what well-known or even partially well-known Republican was involved in January 6th? More importantly, didn't every well-known Republican, any Republican of any name recognition whatsoever, denounce the actions of January 6th? Of course they did. But, you know, this is Hillary Clinton and her spin. This is all they got. They got one day. They have seven hours. That's it. But listen as she goes on. Any uh, threats of violence and, and mm-hmm. you know, concerns that people are expressing about the country, you know, coming apart and all of that. So I think he did a real service. And I personally thought it was a strong and necessary speech. And mm-hmm. I would not second guess any of the language. The final thing. I- you know why? Because he made deplorables OK. That's why she's not second guessing it. He gave her deplorable comment, which was going to go down in infamy cover, because now the president of the United States is taking it one step further with the word semi-fascist. Now, listen to Hillary Clinton go there for a moment. I would say is, you know, look, fascism is a very big word. I know Mm -hmm. that. But so is socialism, and the Republicans call every Democrat who wants people to have health care a socialist. False, 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 false. Not true. That's called elision. Not true at all. They have declaimed since the days of Barry Goldwater. They have declaimed policies as things like healthcare, socialized medicine. Reagan and Barry Goldwater, they talked about socialized medicine. They talk about the policy being socialist. They did not call Lyndon Johnson a socialist. Now, that having been said, what was the most prominent movement in America outside of the Democratic and Republican parties over the past five to ten years? What was the most prominent movement that was supported by the Democratic Party in the last five to ten years. Boy, good tease for the next segment. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. I'll answer it. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. If you're looking for a remarkable investment opportunity with a great return for investors, check out my friends at Y Refi. They are offering up a fixed no-load interest rate up to ten and a quarter percent return for investors, all in a secure and collateralized portfolio. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm, as I say, run by really great people who are doing really well by doing good for others, and you can be a part of that. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, R-E-F-Y.com, or call them at 855-316-3087, 855-316-3087. Hillary Clinton on The View uh, today was saying that uh, she agreed with Joe Biden's speech. She agrees with Joe Biden's characterization of uh, Trump supporters and the MAGA movement as a semi-fascist. And she said fascism is a big word, but so is socialism. And they've been calling us socialists for years. We have not been, not mostly. We have been calling the policy socialist, as in Reagan and Goldwater referring to socialized medicine. That having been said, what is the biggest movement civil rights, any institutional movement of any kind in this country in the past five to 10 years? The answer is, and the winner has to be Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter admits openly, proudly boasts that its founders and leaders aren't socialists. 
but Marxists. And you had Democratic leader after Democratic leader supporting the Black Lives Matter movement. Beyond that, beyond that, you don't have a single Republican in this country affiliated with the American Nazi Party. Did you know there was an American Nazi Party? You can't even tell me the name of the leader of the American Nazi Party. However, you have very prominent Democrats who tell us they are socialists. It should not be it should not be seen. It should not be condemned as a criticism to call someone who tells you what they are, to call them by the name they tell you they are. The runner up, the number two for the presidential nomination of the Democratic Party, the past two presidential elections, declares himself to be a socialist. He is also, right now, the number one pick of Democrats by poll to run for president again, we're talking about Bernie Sanders, if Joe Biden decides not to run. He tells us he's a socialist. By the way, he is not alone. There are five other members minimum of Congress who tell us they are socialists. They're known as the squad. AOC, Ilan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, Ayanna Presley, all come out of and ran as members of the Democratic Socialists of America. Why is it a negative for us to call them what they tell us they are? By the way, it doesn't end there. There are well over 100 self-declared Democrats who affiliate with the Socialist Democratic Socialists of America in state houses and municipal offices throughout the country. You will not find that in the Republican Party. So, again, if she wants to criticize us for calling them socialists, maybe they ought to stop telling us they're socialists. They're proud to say it. Why are we not allowed to call them what they tell us they are? It is not a criticism to call someone what they tell you they are. Beyond all that, beyond all of that, I want you to consider one other thing. When those socialists ran for re-election, your Rashida Tlaibs, their Ilan Omars, the AOCs, they had primaries in the Democratic Party, moderate or self-proclaimed moderate Democrats challenging them in the primaries, thinking that they uh, should take back the Democratic Party for the moderate uh, to, the, to, 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 to a level of moderacy, to a moderate movement. Guess what? Nancy Pelosi and the Democratic Congressional Committee, the Democrat, the DCC, the Democratic Campaign Congressional Campaign Committee, DCCC, Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, they endorsed and supported the squad members against their primary opponents. They're not running from socialism. They're telling us they're socialists. Not only are they telling us they're socialists, the Democratic Party mainstream is endowing and supporting those socialists. So the comparison, it's a false comparison. It's a false dichotomy. It's a inapt analogy that Hillary Clinton is getting away with here. And if they had a serious person on the view, they would have been asking her that. But they don't. It's not a serious show. And, you know, her new series, Gutsy, Ain't that serious either. Not when you're looking to Kim Kardashian and uh, Schumer, Amy Schumer, to be the portrayal of what a gutsy woman is. You know what would have been an interesting portrayal of a gutsy woman? Of course, the Clintons would not touch this with a 10-foot pole. Ayanna Hersey Ali. There would be an interesting case of a gutsy woman. And it meets 
all the tests of intersectionality, doesn't it? You have an immigrant, you have someone from a minority culture, and and uh, and you ha- and 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 you have someone who has guts. She was tortured as a kid. She ran for parliament and served in the Dutch parliament, moved to America because of death threats against her by radical Islamists because she dared to leave the Muslim faith. Wouldn't that be a gutsy woman? No, that's not going to be the Clintons model of gutsy. They want you to see Amy Schumer. That's the model of gutsy women that you should aspire to. Let me tell you something. If you're raising young girls, just take a little bit of a test here. Take just a little bit of a thought experiment. Do you want your young girls to grow up to be like Kim Kardashian and Amy Schumer? Or would you rather them grow up to be strong women like Ayan Hirsi Ali or Amy Coney Barrett? Who would you rather your child grow up to be? Speaking of everything I just put together, Ayan Hirsi Ali has a piece up. Uh, unheard schools shouldn't fly BLM flags and it's not because BLM the Black Lives Matter movement has been proven to be corrupt people have absconded Patrice Kalours and this other person has uh, this other person Shaloma Bowers the leader of the BLM Global Network just accused of stealing 10 million dollars from the BLM treasury for personal use it's not because of the corruption schools shouldn't be flying BLM flags which a lot of schools are now doing you know what Ion Hersiali says they shouldn't why they shouldn't be doing it because it's a marxist organization it's a marxist organization that wants to re-racialize america that is not why people fled to America. That is not why people like Ayan Hirsi Ali fled to America. You know, she did it here. Ayan Hirsi Ali did it here. She's a black woman. She's an Afri- she's an African American woman. She didn't need the BLM. Um, so when you see Hillary Clinton doing this and doing it right before an election, you're seeing them circle the wagons over at the Democratic Party. They're all going to be doubling down on this neo-fascism, semi-fascism business. They're good with it. They're good with it. Meanwhile, their models of brave, strong, gutsy women, people that shouldn't have contracts at all whatsoever. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. 34 past the hour brings us our culture and economy update with the great John Dombrowski. John is the president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. His website, grandcanyonplanning.com, grandcanyonplanning.com. Also host of his own radio show right here on 960 AM every Saturday morning at 7 AM. J.D., how are you today? Fantastic. Seth, how's it going? Good. Good rally on the markets, yes? Yep. Yeah, we had a nice day today. Uh, it was, uh, a, a, I guess, a relief to see. You know, I think a lot of people would feel a lot better about a day like today than we've seen over the last seven days. We broke a seven-day losing streak for the markets. Uh, and it was a really nice, robust, well-rounded recovery, too, here. It wasn't really in just one sector of the market. It was a it was a good participation from a variety of different sectors of the market. So that's good to see. That means there's some, some optimism out there and some buying out there that's happening right now. Perfect. Good yeah. to hear. Good to see. Good to have you report. John, something you have uh, raised with this audience many times in the past mm-hmm. Um, is the issue of you know security not being hacked, not losing your information, how to protect it, yeah. and um, passwords. And yeah, right. you know, it's funny you mentioned that you you mentioned it to me off air because not 
10 minutes ago, I, uh, through a project of mine, had to open up a new account online mm-hmm. uh, and uh, had to go through this whole password rigmarole. Uh, we hate having to do it, right. but it's pretty important, isn't it? Yeah, you know, one of the interesting things when it comes to password security for your financial accounts, especially your credit cards, your bank accounts, your investment accounts, your mortgage statements, all of these things that would have anything potentially that, uh, you know, some hacker could have access to that could get a little information that can help him find a way to pierce through and get your, uh, you know, any other important documentation that they need in order to maybe have some type of a, uh, a fraudulent act against your accounts. You'll get text messages nowadays that say your account has been, you know, hacked in some way. Please call us. Be very careful if you get something like that. Don't ever call the number that's there. Go to if it's it, whatever bank that you're dealing with. If it came, if it says it's coming from that bank, go to the main number. Just call the main number on your bank statement, and then work your way around that to see if it's a real, uh, you know, scenario or if it's some fictitious type of uh, phishing type expedition that a lot of these hackers will do. But when it comes to passwords, Seth, can't stress this enough. Don't use the same password for all of your different accounts because if someone gets that one password. Now they've got access to everything, right? And, uh, you know, you see a lot of times this two-factor authentication. You get that text message to your cell phone that you've got to put in a number. That's, again, to make sure that you are who you say you are. Uh, So it's very important that your phone numbers are attached to your accounts and that if you uh, don't have a password on your phone, that could be a problem as well. So you need to be password protected even on your phone. So people say, well, I don't know what to do. How do I do all of this and how do I manage it? Well, there are password managing programs out there that you can use and make it very simple. So I would investigate that. Let me add another one. And maybe you've seen this. This Mm -hmm. happens to me an awful lot. I've I've learned to catch myself. Uh, It comes two ways. Uh, uh, Analogous to what you were saying is you may get an email from someone that looks like a friend of yours, someone familiar, someone you in in your contact list. Yes. But it looks a little weird. Mm -hmm. It says to click here or to see my this or that. If it looks like something they wouldn't send, make sure and look at what their email address is attached to that name. Don't just go by the name because if it's not, you know, your friend Kay Jones at Gmail or whatever, it'll be some weird address. It's Catherine Jones, but the email address is weird. Check for that. Also, the same with companies uh, that may email you, Amazon, Apple, you name it. Any company that may email you something, make sure the domain of that email address looks a little bit kosher even before you start down the route that you mentioned, right? That's good advice, isn't it? Don't click on any links at all, ever, if you're not sure. Because, you know, Seth, if someone, if a friend of yours, his email uh, gets hacked and they get all his contacts, yeah. the first thing they do is they start to send out Absolutely. emails and it looks like it's coming from your friend, Absolutely. but it's not. It's coming from someone else. So please be very careful. Be, digil- be vigilant about this. Protect your personal information because if you ever get hacked and they get that information, 
Uh, the last thing you want to do is to try to explain away. You'll be doing it, it the rest of your life. Yeah. I, I've been there. Exactly. <laughs> I have been there. You'll exactly. be explaining it the rest of your yeah. J.D., you're the best man. Thank you, sir. Right. Check out our website, GrandCanyonPlanning.com. You can request an appointment there. Securities and advisory services offered to Client One Securities, LLC, a member of FINRA and CIPIC, and investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates, LLC, and Client One Securities, LLC, are not affiliated. You're Thank the you, best, Seth. John. Thank Bye-bye. you, sir. Yep. I'm Seth Leibson. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. As we do every Wednesday, we check in with Brett Johnson, our constitutional scholar and uh, legal authority here. He is a partner at the Snell and Wilmer Law Firm, uh, based here locally, offices around the country, swlaw.com. Brett, welcome back. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. You betcha. You uh, you called it early, way back weeks ago after the Mar-a-Lago raid. You uh, you contemplated uh, the uh, the effort uh, to appoint a special master. Uh, where are we with this? The government w- was opposing it. The feds were opposing a special master, as I understand it, and uh, have a deadline creeping up on whether they want to appeal a ruling on it. Is that right? That's correct. And so basically, as way as background for everybody, you know, there was the um, search warrant and that was uh, um, impacted the, the president's residence down in Florida, and a whole bunch of documents were seized. And um, one of the issues that, that came up was is that President Trump's legal team waited 14 days to actually uh, oppose the process and basically ask that the, the records be sequestered and that a special master be appointed. Uh, to be honest with you, as I've mentioned before, on this show, I kind of expected that to yep. happen a lot sooner, yep. so I was not surprised when the government said that, that uh, President Trump waited too long um, to actually file that. But the judge summarily um, rejected that argument as part of uh, as part of her order, and in in basically saying is is that you know two weeks is not too long regardless of where the process is. Um, now, a special master, just so as everybody understands, a special master is, is usually a former judge or somebody within the community that has the expertise to do an analysis for purposes of privilege. Mm-hmm. And it usually, I agree with the government, it is usually the case when um, the, a law enforcement raids a law firm or, or an attorney's office or an attorney's home, because they may have privileged information as to their representation of other clients, mm-hmm. and there needs to be a privilege review. And there is a process the Department of Justice uses um, to basically, it's called a filter team, to it's a separate team from the investigation, and they filter whether or not the material that is seized is for their investigation or is part of another attorney-client privilege. So it is rare, I agree with the government, in which they put it in their filings, that usually that is enough in in uh, um, in criminal cases to have that filter team. Mm-hmm. But in this case, and, and I think that the judge has it right, so I appreciate that there are a lot of commentators out there, primarily former uh, federal prosecutors or people who work for the Department of Justice, quite honestly, um, who, who argue that the judge's ruling is inconsistent with other rulings. And what the judge would clearly and concisely said is this is a unique situation where you have a former president of the United States who is under investigation in regard to records that related to his presidency and that were discovered inside his residence and whether or not he has an attorney-client privilege or an executive privilege, which, again, a special master or filter team has never um, handled before, right, right. Um, as, as, uh, to, to have that kind of review. And, and she basically said is, is that, hey, filter teams may be appropriate for your run-of-the-mill investigations. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. but of an investigation of this importance into the uh, former president of the United States, which again has never been done before, mm-hmm. um, it, it, a special master is necessary to basically um, be, uh, alleviate concerns that there is some sort of prejudice going on. And she highlighted several factors as to why special master is important, including that um, she uses, she cites one case as basically is the fox within the hen house because um, the Department of Justice uh, taint team is basically, um, you know, working side by side. And obviously there's a firewall between, but it's still the Department of Justice yeah. that is doing that review. Yeah. So she, she, she made her order, and I appreciate that it's controversial. Uh, Brett Johnson is our guest. Brett, is, is, is this me going too far? I'm looking at the Washington Post here, and the Washington Post is not friendly to Donald Trump or his case. And they have an article out today on uh, the, uh, the special master and the appeal uh, that might take place. But they open their story this way. I'll read it to you. A document describing a foreign government's military defenses, including its nuclear capabilities, was found by FBI agents who searched former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence and private club last month, according to people familiar with the matter. You and I know what that means. That means someone leaked this information to The Washington Post. It may be accurate. It may not be accurate. But apparently the DOJ – is this me being too, too, too paranoid? The DOJ is, is, is not playing by the Marquis of Queensbury rules here. They seem to be a sieve, at least to friendly media, making maybe the case for not going the usual route all the more, um, all the more practical, all the more reasonable. Maybe. Yeah, and and I think that the court actually um, it made re- they made reference to to that concern mm-hmm. that although the Department of Justice could put in all of the necessary controls to ensure there wasn't a leak, um, the Department of Justice even acknowledged that that they they couldn't st- uh, ultimately stop all leaks. Right. Um, and you know, which is interesting because what the court also did is allow the, um, basically the Director of National Intelligence, uh, which is a separate governmental agency. Um, to keep on doing what's called a classification review. Now, if I was President Trump, I'd, I'd actually want that because yeah. maybe the classification review shows that this stuff was not top secret right. or classified. That's right. um, but that is another source of, of possible leaking. And, and so what she did there, especially because of the leaking exercise, she actually stopped temporarily and separate from the special master from the investigators from continuing to review this material until a special master process is put into place to directly address that issue. And her reasoning, again, was a public perception one, and that the president, former president of the United States is in a unique position, and for basically the good of our democracy, that about former presidents and, and their authorities, is, is that, listen, let's just take a pause here and ensure that we're not causing any more harm, such as to President Trump's, um, quite honestly, right to innocence, or um, any kind of prejudicial impact that this may have on the general public, especially in this perception of the court system or, quite honestly, the Department of Justice or the FBI. Mm-hmm. So she, she, made her, she made a good argument, and I think that the Department of Justice, quite honestly, because of the unique facts of this case, is going to have a hard time on appeal. Brett, do you think we are uh, headed into a place after tomorrow, which is about two, tomorrow marks two months before the election, where everything kind of slows down and goes quiet? There, there's, I, I, I guess it's not rule – 
but there's a practice, a policy operating practice that within 60 days of an election, the DOJ tries not to do this sort of thing. Am I on to something about that? No, you you are on to something. That's exactly what's the the policy of the Department of Justice, and it's well stated, and it was used, um, uh, um, interestingly enough, um, when when President Trump ran against Hillary Clinton back in 2016, is the 60-day rule. And also it it, it impacted the last election um, where there were investigations dealing with Hunter Biden. So the policy is well known. It's usually not, you know, one of those ones that people talk about at cocktail parties. But, but... in, in, in I, I was actually um, listening to a, a former federal judge who was advocating that this actually needs to um, um, the special master needs to rule before the election to resolve anything uh-huh. because by having this lingering out there you're indirectly impacting the election. There's a Damocles sword of confusion, if you will. That, so to speak. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. And, and if you remember the the director of the FBI at the time um, back uh, you know almost two years ago came. To a, a similar conclusion, and, and had to come out and, and talk about uh, an FBI investigation, and and um, and people, you know, uh, criticized that mo- movement too. I would think, though, um, especially under this Attorney General, that I, I would be very surprised if the Department of Justice um, um, was going to force the Special Master to come and, and resolve everything within 60 days. Now, of course, the Special Master could. Right. The FBI has already said that they're done review all of the records and and they've made a determination and it's a just trust us type argument um, but in theory a special master can be can be done now one one argument that people have raised over and over again is because the judge has allowed the executive privilege and attorney-client privilege to be addressed now during the investigatory stage versus an evidentiary stage yeah. two different things evidence is, is, is at trial by requiring that um, that it, it's basically just going to cause more case, uh, case after case after case, and that this judge is going to be quite busy trying to referee yeah. regardless uh, of a special master. Well, we'll know a lot more next week when we visit again. Brett Johnson, you're the best, sir. Thank you, Brett. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, portions of which are brought to you by Cool Touch Air Conditioning, Heating, and Plumbing. You can check them out online at cooltouch.us or give them a call at 623-748-4942. That's 623-748-4942 for any and all air conditioning and plumbing problems. It's the only company I would call. It's the only company in years that I have used and called for these issues, as well as my friends. It's just better at Cool Touch. You'll know it from the moment you reach them. Cooltouch.us. Um, pay attention to that last thing I was mentioning with Brett. The leaking that is now coming out of the Department of Justice. When newspapers like the Washington Post say, according to people familiar with the matter, and then they have some bombshell like nuclear capabilities was found at Mar-a-Lago. We have no way of knowing it's true. The Washington Post says democracy dies in darkness. It's still at the top of their banner. But they're keeping us in the dark. They're keeping us in the dark by leaking out or publishing leaked information without us being able to make a determination as to the veracity of that claim because they won't tell us who made it. They think they themselves can control all the information and let us see what they want us to see while they tell us democracy dies in darkness. 
Once upon a time, it was a crime to disclose classified information. Once upon a time, it was a crime to leak legal, criminal legal information, protected legal information like this. It's still on the books. Will it be prosecuted? No. Will anyone go after these leakers? No. Will the Washington Post disclose its sources? No. Will they be forced to disclose their sources? No. But in a better world, all of those things would have been a yes. But in a better world, we wouldn't have a press that says democracy dies in darkness while they're the ones pulling down the shades around us. By the way, I should have mentioned this earlier. Jeremy has been producing the show today. Thank you so much, Jeremy. You've been doing a great job, and we really appreciate it. Love doing it. Love having you. I'm Seth. You don't want to miss the next hour. Got a great young new author, A.J. Rice, on his new book, The Woking Dead. Be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.